We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This week on the Garage Beers Podcast, it is episode 101, and the boys are in the garage this week, joined by the radio voice of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Bob McElligot. We're going to talk about the Blue Jackets and what we should expect from them going into the second half of the season. Plus, we're going to break down the quarterback situation for the Browns. We're going to talk about the Red Hot Cavaliers and so much more. So come on up the driveway, open up your favorite lawn chair, crack open a cold one, and join us for Garage Beers. And welcome on in, everybody, to episode 101 of the Garage Beers podcast for the first time ever being live-streamed right here on Twitch, on the OBR's Twitch channel. With you, as always, I'm your host, Garage Beers Mike. My name is Michael Keefe, uh, and go follow the show everywhere. If you're not following us, at the Garage Beers on Twitter, on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, uh, follow our, our 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 TikTok channel uh, where Chad and I do our best to do entertaining things. Uh, but we are so very excited again, our first ever live stream here on the OBR, and uh, and we plan on having a great time. If you're joining us live, we're looking forward to it. Make sure you get over into the comments, like our buddy Little Boomer here. And join in the show if you've got things you want to talk about, things you want to ask about. we got a special guest coming up from the Blue Jackets, actually, uh, in just a little bit. But uh, before we get into that, i got to bring in my co-host. First of all, you know him. He's in his garage over on the east side of Cleveland. It's Garage Beers Chad. Chad Meyer, what's going on, Chad? Bring in your co-host. I'm already here, Mike. They can <laughs> We're here. We're all here together. Jeez. You know, well, dude, got, guys, this is cool. This is really cool. Like, like before the show, like, you know, it's, it's so like we're produced now. Like, it's really cool. Like, you know, the, they, they, they put a garage beers podcast starting soon. And like, it says I'm backstage and like the garage, like the garage is my, <laughs> like, like the garage is my green room now. And I'm like, Oh man, I should, I should get some like M&Ms only the blue ones. Like I, I need, I need, uh, I forget what type of list the artists call that for backstage, but I feel like I should give my wife a, a, a list like that before shows now. I love it. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it is awesome to be here again. I'm excited to be talking to people as we go. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're gonna have a good time. And in episode 101, 
Again, if you haven't gone back and listened to episode 100, it was a mega episode. It took forever, and we understand that. But how could it not with Joe Thomas and Rick Nash and Austin Carr all on episode 100? It was a great time. Uh, But here on episode 101, we're planning on having a blast. Down in Nashville, Tennessee, it's our other co-host at Garage Beers, Joe. It's Joey Whalen. What's up, Joe? Oh, what's up, guys? Stoked to be on uh, first live stream with the OBR. This is sick. Uh, Yeah. This is so cool. Yeah, I, I'm with you, Chad. I feel like I need the credentials to walk into our office here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I need like a lanyard around my neck to be like, hey, I'm here. I'm at the show. Um, I feel official. Feel official. Yeah, right. Yeah, and my girlfriend's in there. Hey, listen, <laughs> a lot of guys' girlfriends are in there. <laughs> uh, oh, we forgot, Mike. We forgot. Hi. Hi. Hey, listen. <laughs> this is going to be a great episode, boys. We've got, uh, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, joining us in just a little bit. Uh, we've got the radio play-by-play voice of the Columbus Blue Jackets. If you're a hockey fan, stick around. If you're not a hockey fan, stick around and become a hockey fan because the Blue Jackets are doing fun things. And we've got the radio voice. Bob McElligot is going to join us uh, to talk a little bit about the Blue Jackets, about what's going on. So you do not want to miss the radio voice of the Jackets. He'll join us in just a bit. Uh, we've got some Browns talk. Listen, here on the OBR, boys, it's quarterback week. We talked about it yesterday. We had articles written about it. We had a live stream about it last night. We're going to get into quarterback week because we haven't talked about that enough, right? Like nobody's talking about the quarterback for the Browns at this point. No. Only every other day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I'm sure you guys have some opinions, so we'll get to those as far as quarterback week. And then uh, we're going to wrap things up by talking about uh, the hottest team right now in Cleveland, the most positive team in Cleveland right now, the team with the best record in the Eastern Conference of the NBA in the month of January, the Cleveland Cavaliers. We got so much stuff to get into, uh, and we're just really excited <laughs> that you've joined us here on the show. Chad, I hope you're okay. You good? No coffee. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm, Do we I'm need to send you fine. for a test? No. No, luckily. Luckily, no. You know, I, I mean, it's a, it's a big improvement over last week. I don't know if anybody oh my gosh, listened yeah. to episode 100 last week, but uh, I can actually talk now. I'm actually going to be able to taste the beer I'm drinking. It's a it's a good day. It's a good day, boys. It's a good Dude, day. I'm, ex- I'm excited for you. I'm excited yeah. for you, Joe. You should be. See- I was with you this weekend. Yeah, down in Louisville, Kentucky, enjoying uh, the uh, the brown water of Kentucky. It was great doing oh, a little bourbon trail. But boys, it's it's good to be back. It's good to be kind of back on a, a regular schedule. Everything yeah. that happened with episode 100 was crazy. Uh, but now we're just back in the groove. And, uh, and and before we get to our Garage Beers of the Week, because that's the first thing we're going to start off with, the last thing I want to say is just a humongous thank you to everybody that we've dealt with with the OBR so far. So far, If you're an OBR subscriber, if you're a regular watcher and listener of the OBR, you know these guys, Barry and Jake and Steven. Uh, uh, we got to give a special shout-out to Seth. These, these guys have been – Ian. Uh, Ian's jumped on with us. He's just kind of, these guys have been such a big help. They've been so professional. They've been so cool. There's a reason why you guys are subscribers. There's a reason why you guys love the OBR the way you do. We are thrilled to be a part of it. But these guys have have provided us more support in a week than we've had ever in the history of 100 episodes of this podcast. And so huge, huge shout out to the guys at the OBR uh, I know Chad and Joe echo this, but we could not be more excited to be a part of the family here. So yeah, with that 100%. in mind, with that in mind, OBR rocks. That's right. Ty sucks. Uh, with that in mind, hey. uh, 
It's, uh, oh, go ahead. Jack. I'd like to go say ahead. something first. I'd like to say oh, something, uh, Mike, if I can address. Uh, so glad you guys uh, decided to TikTok your bourbon trail adventures. I'm sure nobody wanted to see uh, some sweet that, bourbon, <laughs> uh, some sweet bourbon through through you know <laughs> Buffalo Trace or you know the place where Pappy Gate took place. Uh, you know, just I'm glad I'm glad you guys uh, uh, you know brought out some content from that from that Buffalo uh, from that bourbon trail. So thank Same. you, thank you to you both. Yeah, no, we were <laughs> just like just like the barrels. We were soaking it in all weekend. You know, I was too busy <laughs> yeah, drinking okay, okay. the bourbon to think about that. But yeah, uh, yeah, which would have made it more fun. <laughs> it would feel more fun. That's fair. There were a couple nights, late nights, that there probably would have been some good content that would have come out. But hey, listen, speaking of drinking, <laughs> let's get into our favorite segment, mm-hmm. our, one of our first segments every week. It's our garage beers of the week. Uh, and so, Joe, you're the farthest away from me right now. So I'll start with you. Let's send it over to you. Tell everybody what you're drinking. And uh, again, if you're here with us live tonight, get in the comments. If you've got a beer, let us know what you're drinking. We'll flash it up on the screen. All right. Well, it's going to be like just a second. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I probably should have poured that before we started <laughs> streaming. Um, but I'm I'm going back to Bearded Iris. I, I just love this brewery. It's so, so great. They have a, a great new second location in Nashville. They just opened up, um, and they just like specialize in these super uh, like dense hazy IPAs, uh, and they're phenomenal. I got this new one called Ion. It's a double IPA. It's uh, uh, Citra Mosaic Cryo. I've never heard that before. I've heard Mosaic and Citra, but not all together and with Cryo at the end. Uh, Nelson, possibly a person. Okay. All and right. Citra Incognito. It's an it was an eighties band. Nelson. Uh, I don't know this right. the sickest like ingredient description I think I've had. Uh, and the can art. Now that we're streaming, I can show the can art. This one's super cool. Spacey and like holographic. Anyways, affection. I can't face another night on my own. Yeah, Nelson. Are you, huh? are you singing Nelson right now? You got you're damn right I am. <laughs> oh man, that is gorgeous. You're damn right. Uh-huh. That is gorgeous. Yeah, all of those are hops, Joe. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you, ever, if, if you ever get a chance, if you ever get a chance, uh, oh, Boomer, we got Boomer over here drinking Miller Lights. Uh, if you ever get a chance, if you see Bearded Iris in the store, I don't know, do they sell it up here? I don't know if they sell it up here or not. I think they do. Uh, I'll bring it up. Just send me a message. Just call Joe. He'll bring it. He'll bring it to you. <laughs> uh, it is awesome. It's a great brewery out of Nashville. Joe lives. Uh, really great place to grab a beer. Uh, they make awesome IPAs and other beers, so uh, good to see them back. Chad, let's swing it over to you on the east side of Cleveland. What are you drinking tonight for your Garage Beer of the Week? Before I get to my beer, fellas, I just got a question. Like, how do you malt a new beer? You know, like, or how do you hop a new type of beer? Because, like, okay, so I'm going in to, to, to buy my beer, right? And I'm looking at the shelves, and it is saturated with those disgusting IPAs. Like saturated with the delicious right? IPA, and all I'm thinking of, and all I'm thinking of, is if I'm a new like startup brewery, like the last thing I want to brew is an IPA. Like I want something to stand out, you know. Oh. Like so, how do we brew oh, like right. a, a new type of beer? How do we brew like a new type of beer? Huh? I feel like It'll there's a there's a Corona light coming here. Yep, I'm 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 waiting, or it's gonna be like a bourbon. <laughs> No, 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 no. This is a makeup from last week because I couldn't taste the beer. So I'm going to Trogues. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to Trogues. That way I can give it a fair review. 
Uh, it's the Troganator. It is a double bot beer. <laughs> uh, and uh, again, it's filled with chocolate nips or cocoa nips. Uh, Munich nibs, and Pilsner. Nibs. Buzz. Nibs. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Cocoa nips. Uh, and it's... <laughs> Uh, and it's a it's a tasty beer, guys. You know, you get the little hints of cocoa nips, um, and then um, I don't know. The pilsner is kind of weird in there. It, it, it's it's kind of like a chocolate, but like you know, you taste the pilsner. It's like chocolate Miller Light. So maybe it's not that good. Maybe maybe it's not that good. But, you know, I kind of ch- I've kind of changed my tune on this. Now that I can taste it, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 not good. <laughs> it can be your uh, it can be your go to sick beer then. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, listen, uh, I hope it gets better as you drink it. Yeah. Uh, Trogues is a very cool place out of Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, great brewery, but I'm kind of with you. The, actually, the food was better at the brewery than the beer was, uh, <laughs> which doesn't. That's not great. Um, no. My boy. So that's going to bring it around to me. Uh, and Joe, I'm going to I'm going to bring it to you right from right from the trip that we just came off of. Ooh. One of my one of my favorite breweries. It is a blast. It's called Against the Grain Brewery, and it is in yeah. the Louisville Slugger, the Louisville Minor League Baseball Stadium where the Louisville Bats play. This brewery is in the stadium, uh, and uh, it's called Against the Grain. It's kind of a quirky place. It's a really good time, and they make really good beer. So we stopped there on Friday night before we went out drinking other things, and uh, I grabbed this beer called Citra Ass Down. Yeah. So Citra Ass Down yeah. by Against the Grain great can art it's great it is a double ipa uh it's more west coast than east coast so chad you'd hate this one extra <laughs> and uh <laughs> and i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a give it a good old go right here God. yeah that place is super awesome and they got like the best like was it pulled pork nachos they have there uh yeah the pork nachos were great the yeah. barbecue they have barbecue it's great uh oh, so yeah, boys, that one's great. That's that is a that is a really really solid like four star West Coast IPA. It is delicious, uh, and yeah. and it's a great place. If you ever find yourself yeah. in Louisville, in between trips to get your bourbon, stop at the baseball stadium, go to Against the Grain, check it out. Really really great place. So again, thank you guys for sharing some of your beers with us. We had uh, Paul Spencer with the Juice Bomb IPA, Lil Boomer uh, drinking Miller Lite. Uh, McSaw, man, I don't know whether you were saying truth as in you're drinking a truth because that's a beer or whether you were just agreeing with us. Either way, we like it. Uh, <laughs> but those are our Garage Beers of the Week. Again, always share your Garage Beers with us. We're excited to be doing this live because you guys can give us some suggestions. If you want to see anything on the show, we'll go get it and we'll try it. Uh, but uh, that is uh, a cheers to you guys. Cheers to you that are joining us live. And uh, I like that, McSaw, man. Truth is your go-to. Appreciate that. Uh, and now we're going to get into this. And I've noticed that our special guest has just jumped in. And so this is going to be a little different. And again, we want to make sure everybody's aware of this. We have been brought into the OBR. We're part of the family now. We're so excited about it. But the Garage Beers podcast is not just a Browns podcast. The Garage Beers podcast, we're going to talk a lot about the Browns, especially when there's things going on. But we're also going to talk a lot about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We're going to talk a lot about the Cleveland Guardians. We're going to talk a lot about the Cavaliers, the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're really going to bring it around. So if you like sports in general, and if you like Ohio sports specifically, then I think you're going to find yourself right at home here. And we're going to start 
with something really exciting. So we're starting with the Blue Jackets, and we're going to bring in right now, he is our special guest. He is the radio play-by-play voice of the Blue Jackets. Uh, it's Bob McElligot. Bob, thank you for joining us here on the Garage Beers podcast. Welcome to the Garage. Thanks for the invite, boys. Good to be here with you. Yeah, listen, this is this is very exciting. Uh, you know, uh, we've 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 talked a lot to the Blue Jackets family. The Blue Jackets kind of feel like family to us at this point, and so we're very very excited to have you in uh, and and taking taking a little time on a night off. There's not so many nights off for you right now at this point, but taking a little time on a night off, we do appreciate that. Well, thanks. You got me in a back to back night off, and there's not going to be many of those the rest of the way so uh, <laughs> what are you even what right. are you even doing with yourself what are you doing with yourself at this point uh well you know i've had a not that not that it matter matter to you guys because it's not what you do i shoveled some snow the last couple of days which has been you know ah. real pain but it, it, it's nothing like you deal with nothing like all those 10 years that i lived in syracuse new york that was snow shoveling this is just kind of scraping you know what i mean right <laughs> well we're, nor- yeah, we're sir of- sir we're north of you we're 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 oh yeah yeah you're right there you get the lake effect we don't even come close to that i get it yeah so uh yeah so in other words i haven't been doing much so how's that (laughs) (laughs) congratulations i'm sure that's that's it right like you like your your life is so busy especially in season when you get a night off you just kind of want to sit there and just do nothing right yeah you're right i mean that, that you're exactly right that's how it is and then you know if there's a game on and whether it's a hockey game whether it's a football game or you know basketball you turn on and watch what's ever on and uh or sometimes you just totally get away from it too or you know there's some people that think that we we all love it so much we just can't wait to watch the next game and sometimes it's like give me that terrible reality show and let me watch something different <laughs> yeah. I, want, I want to get away from yeah. it for a night right bob mckelly yeah. uh aficionado of the real housewives of all cities no. <laughs> uh on his nights off is that what we're hearing from you no that is Totally not. <laughs> <laughs> or or survivor, there, there survivors, survivor yeah, yeah. season fifty eight. <laughs> yeah, it would be it would be much more along those lines, fellas. Oh, okay. <laughs> <I'll tell you. laughs> we won't we won't tell anybody. We won't tell anybody. About I can't believe she said that. I can't believe she did that. <laughs> so, Bob, listen, it's hard to believe, uh, but we're we're right here, pretty much right at the midway point of the NHL season. Uh, and for the Jackets, uh, plenty of ups, plenty of ups, especially early in the season. Holy cow, were there ups. Plenty of downs. They've had some games that have been really, really tough. They've had historically <laughs> rough games. Yeah, right. uh, this I know, season. I was there. You, you can say it. <laughs> you, get pounded, you get pounded by the Florida Panthers. It sucks. I mean, 9-2 yeah. in a hockey game. And and when the fans in the building are chanting, you're down three nothing, and they're chanting, "We want 10. and I'm pissed. I'm like, these people are so arrogant. Like it's first time I've seen this many people in this building. They don't even come to this building, and they right. want ten. Screw you! And then next thing I know, they've got nine. I'm like, oh my god, I hope they don't get their ten tonight. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're talking. Like, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You're talking about that blowout. I'm sitting here thinking about that Hurricanes game where it was. Four to, no- four to nothing, and the Hurricanes put up seven unanswered goals. Yeah, I know, but at least there was a four nothing lead in that game. I mean, that that was terrible. I know, but the, the Florida game just was a, a beating from the beginning. So, and it was more recent. So I, I tried to wipe the other one out of my memory. So that's fair. So, but yes, yeah. But to make your point, there have been a lot of good ups, and then there have been a lot that have gone the other way, the exact opposite way. So you're right. So as a guy in the building every day, as a guy who's broadcasting the games and watching the games and, and traveling and all that, 
How do you right now? How do you evaluate the young team at this point? Like, what grade do you give them right now? They're so young that I feel like there's a lot of kind of leeway given to them, and they're sitting real close to 500 on the season. How do you evaluate them? Yeah, well, well, first of all, like the young thing, it's great, and especially at the beginning, you can say that. But then when you come out of the gate, 12 and six, then then people are going, well, it's a, a young team, but man, they are so far ahead. Listen, this is where this team should be. I think, you know, they overachieved early and then they got into really kind of the the thick of the schedule. And, um, you know, this was supposed to be a take a step back to take two steps forward kind of a year to begin with. And that's that's what it's very easy to forget when you start 12 and six in your first 18 games. Um, So I think this is where they should be, to be honest with you. Again, I think there look, we talked about the team performance. I think individually there have been a lot of guys that have done some really good things. I think there have been a lot of guys that have been lackluster on nights and they knew they need to do better. Um, but, you know, as a whole, this is probably right about where they should be sitting with the, the experience level they have, the talent level that they have, and, you know, just, just trying to, to regroup. I mean, it was, there were major changes on this team in the offseason, uh, really the last two years, major changes, starting with a coach and working its way down and, and uh, the guys that were the really your core are gone and you're working with a new core even though you have guys that have been here it's a new leadership group it's a new core so you know yes that takes time but that doesn't make it any uh you know when you're talking about those losses like we were just talking about the youngest team thing and the neat experience thing all goes out the window because that that's just beatings and that's just something that you can't you just can't accept and the players don't accept that and uh you know to their credit they bounce back pretty well in each case that that's happened to them yeah, you brought it up. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Chad, I don't know if you're a little behind me, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, sorry about that. But uh, yeah, you mentioned the coach, Bob. You know, you know, Lars came in. A lot of the fan reaction was, you know, he was on uh, towards the staff for the last six years. They were afraid it was going to be towards 2.0. Uh, you, you know, as a guy, again, you, you know, you watch this team every single night. It, 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 we're now a half season through with Lars as head coach. What stood out to you about him from what you've seen? Well, first of all, it is uh, towards 2.0. But what people don't understand is that, you know, when you, uh, like when you do a 2.0, it's supposed to be an improved version, right? Like in general, (laughs) when when you do your iPhone upgrade, it's supposed to be an improvement on the previous one, right? So, uh, and listen, I love John Tortorella and it's hard to improve on him, but this is different. It's 2.0, but it's different. And I'll tell you guys how it's different. Uh, First of all, the fundamentals are the same. Uh, the expectations are the same. The demand is the same. Um, the instruction level, I think the instruction level goes up. Brad Larson's a developmental coach. I mean, he started in the American Hockey League. He was a teacher in the American Hockey League. When he was an assistant coach here, he was teaching. And so for this kind of a team, he, I think he's the right kind of coach because he's a developmental coach. He's a teaching coach. They needed that. Even when Torts would say over his six years here, we're still teaching them. Many times the we was Brad Larson and the other assistants because, (laughs) you know, Torch was, Torch, Torch was a motivator. He is a mental motivator, like it or hate it. You know, he is going to get the most out of you. And many players will tell you after they have played for him and gone somewhere else that uh, they didn't appreciate what he did for them at the time that they were with him because he can be very tough on you. So to further on in this 2.0 type uh, thing that we're talking about here, 
Brad Larson, a lot of those things all stay the same as when John Tortorella was here. But what has changed is the head coach's demeanor. Uh, he's not going into the press conferences and going off on players, on the league, on the officials. He's very close to the vest. Uh, he is, uh, he's a much quieter guy when it comes to that. Uh, that is on purpose. I mean, that that's his personality. He's not really a yeller and a screamer. But he is also the kind of guy that if he does get upset and the yelling and screaming starts in a practice, uh, it really makes you sit up and pay attention because he doesn't yeah. do it all the time. And when he's doing it, it's for a reason. It's with a purpose. So, um, you know, it, it's just different in, in the way that uh, he relates with the players. He's more of a coach of today where, you know, uh, you, you just you can't kick everybody in the butt constantly. Uh, and some guys you can. And you've got to read, you know, who can I get on? Who can I really lean hard on and say whatever I want to? And who can I get on in front of all the other guys in the room? And they're still going to respond. And what guys, if I do that to them, they're just going to fold and disappear. And you're never going to get out of them the talent that they have. So uh, it, it's just a different approach. I, I really think it's the same philosophies and the same coaching. It just happens to be a different approach toward the players and then publicly in the media. Yeah, that I mean, I think that's that's about as good of an explanation of, as we've heard about uh, about you know it's it isn't about a, a guy in Larson that has to be so totally different than Torts. It's a guy that can take what he learned from Torts and use the things that it can benefit, but also just understand what needs to be a little bit different. Well, uh, and as an and assistant coach, great at that. as an assistant coach, you're always the good guy. You're always the player's <laughs> buddy as an assistant coach, right? And it's always good cop, bad cop. And, and that's why it's tough sometimes for assistant coaches in any sport. You guys have seen it. Like, yeah. you know, these NFL assistants, they get these head coaching jobs, and all of a sudden you go, this guy sucks as a head coach. What's the problem here? Well, it's a totally different mindset, right? All the focus is on you. You have to handle all the media. You have to handle every player individually. It's not, it's not easy to do. But when you're the assistant coach, it's very easy to be the good cop and uh, and be that, yeah, I know. I'll talk to him about it. I'll talk to him. Right. I need you to do this. You do this for me, and I'll talk to him, and we'll see about your ice time. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a tough transition to make. And uh, when you say the players liked him, of course they did. He was a good cop, and now he's, and now he's the bad cop. But he has the respect of the guys that have been here before. Uh, like I said, they they know him. They respect what he did in the league. I mean, when he played in the National Hockey League, he was a, a fourth line guy. He was a hardworking guy. He had a, you know, he had to work hard for every minute that he got in this league. They know that. They respect that. And um, you know, that's so. It's a great foundation, a great building block. When you've got Boone Jenner and Zach Wierenski, uh, guys that'll run through a wall for you, do whatever you want because they already have a relationship with you when you were an assistant. And when you get these new guys coming in, they already see that, so they know the respect that you have for your head coach. Now, you know, it brings up an interesting question in my mind here, Bob. Now, it's a little off topic, but, you know, we talked about torts uh, kind of just challenging you, you know, you know, mentally, being a mental motivator, kind of getting on guys. You know, and across sports today, it seems like those old school, like hard-nosed type of coaches are kind of going by the wayside because of, you know, players today or or – you know, just, just, I, I don't know. Just, just the way. Just say they're soft. Today. Just say they're soft. <laughs> soft. Okay. Fine. Just say. No, no. Just these say soft the ass players, today, Bob. The kids today have not been beaten to death verbally by their parents the way that we were 
and they right. don't know how to handle it when a coach does it to them. So they're soft, and you got to handle them with kid gloves. Is that what you're but trying to say? <laughs> well, yeah, a hundred percent. No, uh, <laughs> no, uh, but but it seems like in hockey sometimes that that can still work. So is 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 it different in hockey for that, or is it uh, you know are those coaches kind of going by the wayside as well? Oh, they're still going by the wayside as well. Um, but it does still work. But that's where I think Larson, he's got that in him. There's no question he has that in him. And the players know that he has that in him. So if he decides to let it out, it's going to be very effective. Like I said, I think that part of the thing with the, the Tortorella types is that you can only listen to it for so long. And then you get to a point where some guys, not all guys, because I, I know guys that are like, they're so happy that they played for him and, and what he did for them. And and these might be guys that he was constantly going in the media and saying, this guy's got to be better. Well, I'll give you Nick Foligno for an example. You know, Nick was a captain here, and he was a captain before Tortorella got here. And Torts told this story a million times. He said, I didn't think he was going to be a good enough captain. And I told him that. I said, yeah. I don't know if you're cut out for this. I don't I don't know if you can do it. And, and some guys would be appalled, and they would just, you know, introvert and – not say a word and keep it all inside and then maybe play terribly after that, you know, but Nick was the kind of guy that was like, Oh, all right, well, screw you. I'll show you. I can do this job. And, and, but Tortorella already, he'd already figured that out before he went into that conversation. I'm sure with the personalities, but uh, Larson can do it. He can snap on you. He will snap on you. Um, but he's just, he's not going to do it really in front of cameras and he's not going to do it out in the public eye. If, He's going to do it behind closed doors, and, and he's probably going to do it one-on-one with you because um, that's where it needs to be. I, and I think that's, you know, the old-school coaches, they were okay with doing it in front of everybody. And, and again, players today, look, everybody sees everything today too, right? I mean, if coach snaps on the ice, it's on Twitter in a second and a half. The whole exchange is right. out there. You don't even know what happened. You don't know what was said. You don't know the context of it, and it's just all out there. And and I think that's another thing, you know, even with the players, they see everything and they don't want to be the subject of that either. They, they don't want to be on the receiving end of any of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, everybody's just they're just more know, they just don't want to hear it, I guess. It, it, again, not to sound like a dinosaur myself, but it, it's a it's a world where people don't want to hear what they're doing wrong. They just want to be told, oh, that's yeah. great. You're doing great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But it's not. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes you're brutal. And and sometimes you need to be told that. So it's just it's just changing. Like in the old days, they would tell them that all the time. They, those the guys, the guys that played probably even ten years ago, could probably count the uh, the, the praise that they got from a coach, uh, the the words of praise on one hand. And uh, you know it's just different now. You always you always got beat to death. And and if you did a good job, you know what you heard nothing. They just let <laughs> yeah. you do your job. So uh, so Bob so kind of shifted more to player performance this year. You know, I think going into the season, we were all kind of expecting, you know, this could be more of like a rebuild type team that we might see this year, a team that has a lot of pieces, a lot of shifting pieces, a lot of people that have had to leave, uh, players and coaches included. Halfway point, who is the kind of surprising uh, player that you didn't expect to play at the level that he's playing at? And then who's maybe the player that you think has – probably a lot more in the tank that they can give than what they're showing right now. Well, I think Cole Sillinger is still the surprise guy. He started off really hot and then he cooled off a little bit, but that's to be expected. He's 18 years old and he's playing right. in yeah. a league of men, the, the best hockey players in the world 
uh, he's going up against every night. You know, we've talked about it where right before we played in uh, Edmonton a couple of weeks ago, right before Christmas, I, I pulled him aside and I said to him, I go, I said, hey, I know you've already seen a lot of guys that, you know, you just watched on TV, but you're going to play Connor McDavid tonight. And I mean, how much are you going to have to kind of get over the fact that that's Connor McDavid right there? <laughs> you know, you, you know, you might face off against him. And he admitted, he goes, yeah, this is a guy I've watched this guy growing up and, um, you know, I, I love his game. I love what he does. And yeah, I got to make sure I'm not starstruck. I got to go out there and do it. So. Uh, really, what he's been able to do is uh, it's really impressive. Right? People expect sometimes that you're going to come in and you're going to light it up if you happen to make the team as a rookie. He's still 18 years old. Um, there's a lot of learning to do, but he's played a big role on this team. He's playing the center position, and sometimes he's playing the first-line center position in the NHL at 18. So he's it, it's a it's a surprise because when they drafted him in June, you know, we all thought that uh, this guy's going to be a part of what goes on here, but I don't think anybody thought it was going to be as quickly as it uh, has been. Uh, his training camp was great. The start of his season was great. You know, the way it works in hockey in the NHL, you, the, the guy can get 10 games, and then you decide, are you going to burn the first year of his entry-level contract, or are you going to send him back to junior hockey? Or, you know, in this case, they still could have burned it, and they could have sent him to Cleveland. They could have sent him to the Monsters because – he played in the uh, USHL last year. He didn't play in Canadian junior hockey. So they had options with him. And then in game nine, I think it was, uh, when we were in Colorado, he scored yes. two goals in the game. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, he's not going anywhere. I mean, that's it. So he's been the biggest surprise. Um, as far as the, the disappointments, I, there are a couple of guys on the list. Uh, Jack Roslovic, they got in the trade yeah. last year with uh, Winnipeg, and he was terrific. And, you know, they got him with Patrick Lineen. You can make the argument he was better than Line A last year when it was all yes. said and done. Yes. And Line A was the centerpiece. Yeah. Um, but this year, Jack has, you know, he's found his own struggles this year. He still skates like the wind. And, um, you know, it's just about putting it all together for him that's, that he hasn't, he just hasn't gotten to that level where we saw him when he got brought over in the trade last year. And Line A is another guy. I mean, he's been hurt. Now, in fairness to him, he was out for almost eight weeks with a, strained oblique and then his father passed away during that time right. he went a lot of time without being on the ice i'll give him that but you know he's a he's a, a premier scorer he just doesn't shoot the puck enough which is amazing that he doesn't <laughs> uh, i mean like now this is always easy to say when you're sitting where we are right when you're just in the stands you're, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right, saying right right what are you talking about they tell, uh. they tell you so if i could if i could shoot the puck like that i could shoot a hundred <laughs> times right you want to go outside and watch me kick my ass? <laughs> <laughs> I shoot in the parking lot. I shoot. I'd be like that kid in the Mighty Ducks breaking windows. That's what I would do. <laughs> one out of one out of five, Fulton Reed. Uh, <laughs> one out of five. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and maybe that's part of the problem with Patrick because he, he doesn't. He tries to be so perfect sometimes. Just let her rip, man. Let her rip. If you hit, first of all, I always think this. And again, this is because I said way upstairs and nothing's going to happen to me. But if he takes that shot and he hits somebody on the other team, they're not getting in front of the next shot. They're just not. They'll be like, oh, my God, I'm out of there. Um, and, and also, you know, you create rebounds. You create second and third opportunities for your team when you shoot, even if it doesn't go into the net at times. So, uh, you know, that's – I say he's a disappointment just because you have so much expectation out of him. Yes. And uh, you keep on waiting for him to do it every day, not do it on Friday and then you don't see it again until the following Wednesday and – then not till the following Sunday. So those would be my guys. 
Because when he's right, he's one of the most deadly snipers in the oh, league, right, Bob? Yeah. Absolutely. And the other thing he's yeah. got to stop doing, I understand that one time he came in over the blue line and had three Detroit Red Wings in front of him, made them all disappear like magic and then oh, scored a goal. So I understand that. Yeah. But he he needs to not try to do it three times a game because I can tell you what's yeah. going to happen. I, I, I've seen it enough that I want to go down there and go, Patrick, love the enthusiasm, love the belief, but oh my God, can you please just peel off and give it to a teammate <laughs> in a line change before they go back the other way two on one? Please. So we had a question come in, uh, uh, Bob. And, and again, if you have questions for Bob, send them over, put them in the chat. We will read them off. Uh, Zook Zuchango said, we were talking about Cole Sillinger before, and you know, he is the pleasant surprise, man, 18 years old. Uh, uh, and, and, and he's doing, he's holding his own in the NHL, but Zook said, do you think they should have sent him back? Do you think they, do you think no. he was ready? Do you think they should have back or no. should have sent him back? Or is, think, or is this I, the right I thing? I think it's the right thing to be honest with you, because if they send him back, if he goes and plays junior hockey, I mean, I, personally, I think he's going to be so much better than the other guys there. I don't know. His confidence might be sky high, but as far as developing, I think he develops more in this league playing against the guys that he's playing against yeah. night in and night out. Uh, he's had great shots this year that have not gone in the net or have, I, I think he should have more goals based on the amount of shots that he's taken and the quality of shots that he's taken. I mean, he's been snake bitten at times and guys have blocked his shots or again, you're playing the best goalies in the world too, right? <laughs> I mean, like There's something to be said last, for that. Yeah. When it, the, the guys he shot against in the United States hockey league last year, not the guys he's shooting against now. So there is something to be said for that, but I think that, um, yeah, I think this is this is the place for him. I think he's developing, and I, I think he's mentally strong enough not to lose his confidence in his own game. Depending, you know, despite how many goals he has or he doesn't have, so I, I think it's the right place for him. Uh, so, Bobby, here we are, the trade deadline approaching, um, and there's been a lot of talk, and the talk has gone from one. Uh, side of the spectrum to the other when when the Blue Jackets a little bit earlier on were were really one of the surprise teams in the NHL the talk uh around around was the Blue Jackets are they gonna are they gonna look to add pieces for this year and let's go for this and now the talk if you would have talked to me at that time I would have quelched that talk right there you, yeah <laughs> and, quelched it. but well, anyway yeah I know what you mean so go ahead well now that now that talk is squelched a little bit and yeah. and now the talk is a little bit more of what you kind of dread, even though, because we're having fun watching this team, right? You got rid of a couple of the guys that said they wanted to get out. And so uh, the chemistry on this team seems pretty good. Uh, and you're around them all the time, so you can probably speak to that better than we can, but it seems like they've got some pretty good chemistry out there. They like playing with each other. You don't, you're not hearing the stuff that we've heard for the past couple of years of this guy wants out and this guy wants out. Uh so there's got to be a little bit of that dread around there with the trade deadline approaching that, you know, could some of these veterans be on the move? Because this is still a team that there's a lot of stuff waiting in the wings and they can still build something really special. So just kind of what's the sense around there? Well, it's funny you say waiting in the wings because that's where the guys that are going to come in here in the next year or two are going to play. So, um, right. Yeah, I think you're going to get. I think you're going to see guys moved out. Yeah, they have great chemistry, and yes, they like each other, and that's all great. But there's also a business side of it, guys, and, and that sucks. You know, I mean, it's you know, it comes down to a guy like Max Domi. He's in the last year of his contract. He's making over five million dollars. He doesn't have 
uh, great numbers. He doesn't have standout numbers of goals and assists that, you know, as a general manager, you're saying, okay, he's making 5 million now. He's going to have to make more than that next year. Am I willing to give him more than that? I'm probably not at this point in time. You know, uh, I have other guys coming and, and I think that they're going to be able to, to do that job. So what can I get for him at the trade deadline? Because he'll have value. There's no doubt about that. There's teams that are going to be in the playoffs they're going to look at Max and they're going to see his passing ability and his scoring ability. And, and they're going to, uh, they're going to be interested now. Are they going to be interested for a first round pick? I don't know that they're going to. You're going to get that unless you can get some teams that are competing against one another and you're, you're forcing them to up the ante. But you know, maybe a second round pick for him. But but there's going to come a point in time where, as you said, you kind of dread it, but you're going to do what you have to do for the future, not for right now, because there there really isn't a right now. This whole thing is about becoming better in the next couple of years. And um, yeah, there'll be guys that'll be moved out and there'll be young guys that'll come up and they'll be putting the lineup every day and they'll make mistakes and maybe they'll be back next year and maybe they won't, but it's going to be, I think even right now, I, I think you're in a situation where there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of auditioning going on right now. There's, there's a lot of job tryout. Are you going to be able to handle this? Can you do this day in and day out? Do we think you can do it for 82 games or do we have to look in another direction? And I just think you're going to see more of that as time goes on. You've got the Jonas Corposalo. He's an unrestricted free agent. There's been talk about trading a goalie. I'm so sick of talking about trading a goalie because they haven't done it yet. <laughs> um, I mean, really. And, and to be honest with you, up until the beginning of this year, I could have argued uh, if you're trading Corposalo, are you trading the right guy? Or, you know, is it who is the number one here? Now, Elvis... Elvis grabbed it early in the season, although after getting hurt, you know, Corpus is trying to challenge a little bit right now. But, you know, if he's going to be the guy that goes out, um, where are you going to send him? What are you going to get for him? Uh, but it is. It's, it's all going to change. And that's that's just that's part of it here. I mean, if you want to get back to being a, not just a playoff team, but if you want to become a really good team, this year's draft coming up is good. You have your own first round pick. You have the Chicago Blackhawks first round pick. They have not performed very well. Um, you know, I, I've watched this team, guys. I, I've watched two drafts in particular, the Connor McDavid draft and the Austin Matthews draft. These are generational players, and the Blue Jackets were bad enough, bad enough in the month of February to have a legitimate shot in the lottery at getting one of these guys. And then go out in March and win seven to ten meaningless games and take yourself right out of the hunt. And, right. And pick right. in the middle of the first round. You know what I mean? So it sounds terrible. I'm not saying to tank. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that in all honesty, this team probably you should have tanked. It's no. <laughs> <I'm> yeah. <just laughs> oh yeah. For those, yeah. Just There's no doubt. You know, and it, and it stinks because people are coming to the games and they want to see you win. And you know, we win like three in a row and I'm going, what are these guys doing? What are you doing? Stop winning. There's, there's Bob on the radio. Ah, the jackets win again. <laughs> I know, right? Right. No, and, it, and and of course, when you're doing the job, you don't want to lose either. But the game's oh, over. Sure, you're like, sure. Doggone it! Now we're now. What are we going to get? Some stiff right. that's not going to be here in five years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Winning's definitely a lot more fun. All right, Bob. <laughs> we're going to let you get back to the amazing race and Joe Millionaire here uh, <laughs> soon. But um, I'm going to have my beer but, now. Uh, I wasn't going to do it on the air. I'm just going to go have mine now, boys. You can do it on the <laughs> yeah, air. You right. can do it on I the know, air. It's I fine. I thought about it. I forgot to grab it on the way in. 
But, uh, you know, you got the Flames coming in tomorrow, you know, uh, led by the usual suspects, Johnny Gaudreau, Matthew Kachuk having great years in a contract year, Jacob Backstrom having a phenomenal year. You know, what what challenges do they present? What do the Jackets got to do to come away with a W? Well, they present a ton of challenges. And as you just said, they're very uh, offensively uh, gifted, that team. You know, and it's funny because we were talking about old school coaches. You know, this team was sputtering and uh, Daryl Sutter came back and took over as their head coach. And he's an old school guy. And people were like, well, that's not going to work again. Well, it has. It has been working. So uh, they're quick. I mean, they're, they're strong. They're they can score and they're quick. So for the Blue Jackets, you got the home ice advantage here. So that means you get the last change. You get the matchups that you want. Uh, they've got to be, you know, they they can't give these guys a lot of time to be creative. They've got to be on them. They've got to uh, make sure that they have to make decisions fast because if you let them make up their minds, the guys that you talked about are going to find a way to kill you by putting pucks in the back of the net. So uh, you better be ready to be on them with a four check. You, you, you got to try to get them before they get out of their own zone. If they come out of their own end with speed and start to be creative, your job gets a heck of a lot harder in the defensive end. So you got to try to catch them when they're coming out of their end. All right, Bob McElligot, we got one more question. We're going to leave it to, to one of the legendary Blue Jackets fans. We got Lil Boomer here, uh, and he said, ask Bob about his Monday mailbag Twitter space where he was calling people <laughs> stupid. Hilarious. What was going on there? You out, you out on Twitter calling people stupid, Bob? <laughs> I normally just do it in person, but <laughs> no, it was – No, somebody no, – somebody said – first of all, somebody said he was debating somebody on Facebook which I said is absolutely stupid. Why would you do that? Like, why would you waste part of your life debating anybody on Facebook? You can't win that. No. Right? You can't win it. Uh, Plus, the other thing was they were talking about Jacob Chikrin from the Arizona Coyotes. And I – oh, now I'm remembering the entire context of it. The guy that was asking me the question said, uh, you know, there are some rumors that uh, it would take Kent Johnson, who the Blue Jackets just traded fifth over – or drafted fifth overall last year – it would take him to get him. And I said, that would be absolutely stupid. I even said asinine. So Look it out. goes beyond stupid. <laughs> you know, and Jacob Chickering's a great defenseman. He's absolutely great defenseman. It's, is that the kind of guy you're going to get when you're in a rebuild? I don't think so. Because, it, you know, uh-uh. you're going to have to pay him a lot of money. And why? And but the, But the real thing was, like, Kent Johnson, what he's doing in Michigan right now, Crazy. He's been terrific. As a matter of fact, he's an alternate for the um, Canadian Olympic team now. Yes. You have a team that doesn't score goals. You have a guy that looks like an offensive dynamo in college, and it looks like that's going to translate to the pro game. You want to trade him for a defenseman? I don't think. Doesn't that sound stupid? Uh, that's, that's maybe not great. <laughs> maybe not great. Hey, Bob McElligot. Yeah. By the way, it? if they pull that trade off, do not call me. Do not don't call me. <laughs> Who's the ass? Because I probably won't be here. (laughs) (laughs) Bob, it is, it is, it was so good to have you on. It was so good to talk a little hockey with you. And it's good to hear you in full arenas again. uh, Just, uh, just enjoying the atmosphere and, uh, and getting the Blue Jackets, uh, getting the Blue Jackets out there on the radio waves. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Go follow Bob at Bobby Mac Sports on Twitter. Bob, thank you so much for joining us on the Garage Beers podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Guys, it's been a blast. Anytime. I'd love to come back. Thank you. Bob McElligot on the Garage Beers podcast. So much fun uh, uh, to chat with him and uh, uh, to get his perspective on the team. And, and Chad, man, 
uh, you're decked out in your jackets gear. Said a lot of interesting things about the jackets. Uh, what stood out to you? Oh, man. Uh, there was a few things. I mean, none of them stupid. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> asinine, if you will. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, it didn't surprise me that he mentioned Patrick Lining as one of his guys uh, that, it, that have kind of been a disappointment because it, it just seems like I, – I talked about this a little bit last year and into this year. He just seems like a guy that needs – offensive opportunities set up for him but he's such a de- he's such a dynamic goal scorer but like a lot of dynamic goal scorers can create for themselves and it just seems like he doesn't do it that often mm-hmm. and, and 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 patrick line eight like and, and i don't know and, and again i'm kind of giving him the excuse especially like from a from a mental standpoint that like He's he's probably he's probably not all the way back. I mean, it's it's gonna be it's gonna take him a while to be all the way back mentally into the game, you know, d- with his with his dad passing, and I, and I totally get that. But it's just like his game just just seems like it needs to be set up for him a lot of the times. And yeah, I don't know. That's so not what there, you need. there's that part. There's yeah, that's not what you need. And th- there's that part. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean. Not really. There, there was nothing really surprising. Nothing that really stood out. I mean, you know, if I can go back to the old Dennis Green uh, quote, you know, they are who we thought they were. Like this is the Jackets team that we we thought we were going to see this year. I mean, at twelve and six, everybody got excited this year. But also going into the year, people thought they were going to this was going to be a rebuilding year, and they're kind of playing like that right now. You know, yeah. they've kind of come back down to earth, and, and so that really, I, I mean. I guess it stood out to me because it kind of affirmed everything that we expected that this team was going to be going into the season. So, yeah. So this is this is where the jackets are. We just got to. It's going to be a developmental year, folks. It's going to there's there's going to be more growing pains. And you, I mean, you just heard Bob say uh, kind of. I mean, he did. He said it without saying it. I think in that interview, and that's uh, that's what we have to look forward to. I don't but, think obviously you're not going to like. Obviously, you're not going to lose like every game the rest of the season, but. You know, I would expect more growing pains. No, but you know what, Chad? They're going to give you highs and they're going to give you lows. They're going to give you, we're going to have those really low games, but but I got called out in the comments here. Uh, uh, you're also going to have those games where they take out Carolina. They, they, they destroyed Carolina the other day. You're going to have really good games too because you've got a lot of talent on this team. They're just very young and they got to learn. So there's going to be a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And to be honest with you, they're still like a 500 hockey team. And and that's something that a lot of people didn't see coming. A lot of people had had the Jackets as one of the worst teams in the NHL. They're not that. They're and not. You know that. what? Yeah, absolutely not. And you know what? Go. No, this isn't a team that's going to be ten games under five hundred and is like completely void of talent. No, that's not the case at all. And that's the thing is when games like that happen, like the six nothing uh, beatdown of the first place Carolina Hurricanes. Woo! That should kind of that should kind of give you. Uh, get you excited for the future, for what's to come. Because when this team is playing at their peak, you saw it at the beginning of the season, this team is very exciting. It's just putting it all together and developing and and, and bringing mm-hmm. that consistent effort night in and night out. And that's just not what they're doing right now, as opposed right. to the beginning of the year. All right, boys. Well, that's, that's going to do it for some Jackets talk. Uh, I've poured my second beer because we're going to need it for this uh, next discussion. By the way, check out that glass. Garage beer, beer glass. Roger Beer's beer glass. Uh, let's know. Light, though. 
if we get enough people that are interested in the garage beers beer glass, I think we will start making those available. I've I've asked uh, a few places, so let us know. Uh, but we're going to move on. We're on the OBR, and the, right, that glass is fire. We are on the OBR, and the OBR is uh, one of the greatest places that you will catch Browns coverage out there. Period. End of story. And so we'd be remiss if we did not take part here for the next little bit in quarterback week. It has been quarterback week. It started yesterday on the (laughs) OBR, and we are going to continue it here uh, on on the Garage Beers podcast uh, with quarterback week, uh, and it's going to be our special edition. And so, guys, listen. Pretty simple. There's. We we haven't talked about quarterbacks enough, so I'm really excited about this discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants to talk about that? No. And listen, if you want to join in the conversation, again, continue in the comments. But uh, like, it it was hard for me to write this kind of script out for this. uh, As (laughs) as, what are we going to do? We're just going to sit here and bash Baker Mayfield again. Like it it is not. First of all, it's not been a good week for Baker Mayfield. It's not been a good week for Baker Mayfield because he continues to do what drives me crazy is he continues to do, say one thing and then do something different. He continues to sit out and say, Oh, I'm a leader. We're not going to hear the outside noise. I'm not going to pay attention to social media. That's, you know, just let those people go. And then he's on social media doing crazy stuff and being petty. And that drives me nuts. If you're not going to pay attention, don't pay attention. Like, if I'm Baker Mayfield, I'm probably deleting my social media because what's the point? What are you even doing? Uh, but but he's saying he's not going to listen, and then he goes out and responds. It's not been a good week for the dude, right? All right, nope. I was waiting for I, I was seeing if Joey wanted to respond <laughs> because it looked like Joey was ready to say something. Joey, you want to no. say something? No, you're good. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 not been a good week. And you know what, Bill? Before we got on the OBR here, Mike, you know, uh, past episodes, I talked about, I really, we talked about what we want to see from the Browns this offseason. And one of the things I talked about with Baker Mayfield that I wanted to see was some maturity. And yet this past week has not shown that maturity. You know, you, you unblock, you know, obviously there was some tweets with Dustin Fox and you unblock Dustin Fox to like that tweet and, and only to rebut and say social media is toxic. We'll go only, only, <laughs> only, only friends and loved ones from now on, you know, and, and that's just, that's not the maturity that I want to see. You know, it, it's great to play with a chip on your shoulder. Okay. It's really worked out for Baker in the past, but when the results aren't, aren't, aren't there with the chip on your shoulder, I think it's time to maybe stay quiet and let your work do the talking, let your play do the talking. And that's exactly what I think Baker needs to do here. You know, you just came off of a year. Yes, you were injured, but you were very inconsistent. You were you were all over the place this year. And, and, and I think it would be best for Baker to show some maturity, stay silent, do the work, and, and, and come back and show what you can do at full health. Because, because this week was not was, was not the mark of what a leader is supposed to do. This was the mark of 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 a guy who is is angry, you know, is, is angry, like a kind of a, almost like a petulant child, just just oh oh, you called me a mean name, so I'm gonna like you, and I'm gonna and, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna pretend like I didn't see it. Blah, blah, blah. No 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 no, just stay quiet, go do your Chad. work, and improve. Chad, Chad, what? Joe, 
Baker may not have had a good week. You know who had a great week? You know who had a great week? Dustin Fox. Yeah, he had a great week. And listen, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I agree or disagree with Dustin Fox's point. Because I, I I don't care. I don't, I don't agree or disagree with Dustin Fox. But you know who had a great week? Was Dustin Fox. Because you know what Dustin Fox's job is as a sports talk show host? Is to get you talking about Dustin Fox. If you're talking about Dustin Fox, he's doing his job. And so that dude had a great week. Whether you are furiously mad at him, whether you think what he did was inappropriate, whatever. Dustin Fox is not, he's not a beat writer. He's not supposed to be an objective journalist. Dustin Fox's job is to get you talking about Dustin Fox. And that's exactly what he did this week. That dude had a great week. That dude had a great, and and shout out to him for real. I'm not being like sarcastic. Again, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with this point. I'm not being sarcastic though. He, Dustin Fox did a really good job at his job this week. What Dustin Fox did this week is exactly why Colin Coward is a millionaire. Okay. (laughs) It's exactly why Colin Coward is a millionaire. Uh, You know, clicks and quote tweets and retweets guys are, are basically the new ratings. Like that, like, like it's, it's the new ratings. It's how people, it's, it's how you get judged nowadays as a, as a sports talk host. It's why people, it's why Stephen A. Smith is a millionaire. It's why Skip Bayless is a millionaire. Lord knows if these are their actual takes, but the fact that they're getting you guys to respond yes. to this. And, and I kind of feel a little hypocritical saying this because anybody out there who has some sort of talk show podcast like we do, we are trying to get elicit reaction. We are trying to get response out of you because that is what's going to bring money. That is what's going to get us paid. So anybody out there, a social media, whatever, all we are trying you, everybody is trying to do is get <laughs> likes. So yeah, I, I could say the most outrageous thing right now. Like, I don't know, like, Babies should be playing football right now and could be a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Oh no. You know, like like wow. like I don't know. I could say something outrageous like that. And do that. as long as don't it gets reaction, huh? I'm just saying don't do that. Please don't no, say babies no. are better than Baker Mayfield. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, if you say something outrageous, it might not be my opinion. Dustin Fox saying that might not be his opinion. But it's getting reaction, and it's getting him paid. Listen, so here's what I wanted to do. I wanted to take a different route tonight because the conversations I've been a part of with you guys, the conversations I've seen on on Twitter and stuff like that, the conversations I've been a part of on the OBR. uh, Listen, here's what I want to know. How can you guys sell Baker Mayfield? Sell Baker Mayfield. Oof. Sell Baker Mayfield. Sell what what you think, why you think Baker Mayfield, why you still have hope. And if you don't have hope, make it up. Why would you sell Baker Mayfield to say, hey, listen, let's get the pros of this. Let's ignore the cons. Let's forget about that. Why is Baker Mayfield, why is he a, a guy that you want to be your quarterback? Well, uh, because <laughs> I have to. Because I have to. I'm gonna to. need a minute. I'm gonna I, need a minute. I think I can do it because I, I think I can do it, but it's not gonna be any like pros to him. 
you have a win now defense. You have a defense that I think can put your team in a position to take you uh, fairly deep into this postseason. Um, and I think you have an offense that theoretically when healthy should be uh, – <laughs> sounds like such bullshit – should be like <laughs> enough to like win you a couple games here. Um, so, yeah, with, you know, an offense that is just skating by with a perfectly healthy Baker Mayfield is better than, you know, whatever schmuck you can get in the draft this year. Um, I'm not even going to touch free agency because I think any of the three or four major free agent targets are going to be better than Baker would be. But let's say, assume you had to draft that quarterback. I think Baker could outplay that person <laughs> all right so i first of all joe and if you're watching this i don't know you maybe disagree with me i'm not i'm not buying baker based on what you just said uh, i i had a hard time selling it <laughs> chat sell baker mayfield everything joe just said done <laughs> uh, it was a group project yeah it's a group project yeah yeah joe led it and we all got an a oh god when Baker Mayfield is fully healthy in this Kevin Stefanski system, uh, he's proved that he can be okay to great. He's proved that he can be a viable starter in this league, uh, pending everything is good around him. And that means receivers are catching balls. His offensive line is totally healthy. His running backs are totally healthy. When everything is going good for Baker, Baker is great. And next year, everything should be great for Baker. And I think that he will lead us back to the playoffs next year because everything is going to be – everybody's going to be fully healthy. They will, he will have new playmakers at his disposal. And he, God, man, this is tough. Uh, he will be, <laughs> he will be, he will, he will be, he will be, he'll be, he'll be, be better next year. He'll be better next year. So, Guar- so guarantee it. So guys, I hosted, I hosted uh, OBR weekly. How many beers, Chad? Great comment. How many beers, Chad? This is great. We talked about this last night. I want to pull this up from Paul Spencer. Uh, if they shut Baker down in week three and the Browns went on to finish eight and nine, we would be psyched about Baker coming back in 2022. That's, that's a great point. That's a great point. point. 100%. 100%. So here's what we talked about this yesterday yeah. on on, on OB, OBR Weekly. Uh, I had Jared Mueller and I had uh, Corey Kinnon on, and Corey brought up a really, really good point. This Browns team, the way it is set up, does not need Patrick Mahomes. It's not like not like you don't want Patrick Mahomes. Right. Now, it doesn't need Josh Allen. Not that you don't need no. or want Josh Allen. That's not what that means. doesn't mean you don't want those guys. They don't need it. The way this Browns team is set up is that you have a guy that's just good at executing the very most simple things that you need him to do out there. Like truly the definition of like a game manager. Nobody wants to talk about that. But in this situation with the Browns, a guy that can just go out there and run the offense and maybe not put up 340 yards and three touchdowns a game, but a guy that just does the right thing with the football is going to win football games in this system. And it's it was proven this year. 
They had a guy that wasn't doing the right thing with the football, and they went eight and nine. They were a 500 team, basically. So okay. get, a guy, get a guy that does the right thing with the football, and you're going to win a lot of games. So how does Baker Mayfield turn into a guy that's just going to do the right thing with the football? I guess I guess that was my question as far as that goes, because he did the right thing with the football the second half of last year. But how does – how 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 does that go? How does that play out when it comes to crunch time? What we had a, we just had a great comment, Paul Paul Spencer. I was very <laughs> invested in hating Josh Allen. I'm in a very dark place. <laughs> how, how many juicy bombs have you had, Paul? Uh, uh, but no, seriously. But but how how does that how does that uh, transfer when it comes to crunch time? Yes, he can do. Baker can do the right thing with the football in this offense almost the entire game. But when you, but, but Baker, when you need a drive, when you need a drive at the end of the game, Baker has proven that, I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't excelled. He hasn't succeeded at the end of the game in crunch time. He can't do it in crunch time. So, okay. So do you need So it's like, so you need a guy that can do the right thing with the football in this offense for three and a half quarters of the game. But when it comes down to it, when it comes down to that needing that one drive, Baker can't do it. So, I mean, are we, we're in a rock and a hard place here. Okay. So I will tell you guys this and I want to hear your, I want to hear your initial impression because I got sold on this last night, like legitimately sold. You can throw Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers out there and, and maybe, maybe, especially not Russell Wilson. I don't think, but Aaron Rodgers, maybe because Aaron Rodgers, and Alex Van Pelt are are dudes. They're buddies. So maybe, but I'm not. I'm not getting into that. So here's what I got sold on from Corey Kinnon last night because we got this comment from Taco Cat, and he said, "Who is that guy then? Then who's that guy?" And here's here's what Corey sold me on, and I'm so excited to hear your initial reaction on this. I've been waiting all day for this. You know who he sold me on? Who? Kirk Cousins. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you. Down. What? How did he, how did he say his reaction so down? <laughs> so here's what he said. First of all, it's seamless. First of all, second okay. of all, Kirk, Kirk Cousins just had a career year, 4,200 okay. yards passing. He was great. He wasn't great. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't Patrick Mahomes great. Don't get me wrong. He wasn't, he wasn't Patrick Mahomes. He wasn't uh, Josh Allen. He wasn't Tom Brady. But the guy had a really good year up there in Minnesota. He knows exactly what kind of offense Kevin Stefanski wants to run. And he's that guy that I was just talking about. The guy that will just do the right thing with the football. And I know it's not a big <clears> splash, <throat> but here's the other point he made. And then I want to hear you guys. The other point he made was this. Kirk Cousins has now been a pretty good quarterback for 10 years with two different franchises. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're looking for the game manager role and somebody that's just going to come in and not mess it up, that's your guy. But, like, if you're looking for, like, you know, a baby step up from Baker Mayfield as far as, like, skill level and, like, what he can add to the team and a guy that literally had to be fired up for some reason in the middle of the season by his coach and, like, he had one little like, yeah, let's go, guy. And like, I don't know. Kirk Cousins is the most vanilla quarterback um, 
<laughs> yeah, I think he would be an improvement from Baker. I, you know, here's my kind of viewpoint. I don't think that there is a long-term fix in free agency for the Browns this year. I think that if they are going to move on from Baker, it's going to be in the draft uh, after next season. Um, but I think if you were to theoretically sign somebody and get rid of Baker or bench Baker, then Kirk Cousins would be the most seamless transition for the season. All right, Chad, wrap us up because we're going to move on to our next subject. But, Chad, wrap us up with our quarterback chat for the Browns. Can Kirk Cousins go get me a touchdown or, 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 or three points in the last two minutes of the game? Yes. Can he? <laughs> Can he? Because that's my that's my that's that's my same question with Baker. You know, everybody wants to you know everybody wants to talk about how good Baker has been. You know, the entire game, how good Baker was the entire game. Like, oh, he played a he played a great game. But when it came down to crunch time, when it came down to it, Baker couldn't go out there and win me a football game. And yeah. if if Kirk Cousins is that guy, great. Give me that guy. Go, go get me Kirk Cousins. But but if you cannot give me, if you cannot win me a football game in the last two minutes, which a lot of NFL games come down to, that's I don't I don't I don't, I don't want him. I almost I almost don't want him anymore. So that's that's where I'm at. Get me the guy that can do the right thing with the football in this offense, but can also go get me a touchdown or three points in the last two minutes of the game. Yeah, listen, I, it's hard. I will say this. I, last year, I would have been the guy that was like, hey, listen, it's not Baker's fault. He did what he had to do. Uh, you know, he maybe he didn't make the play at the last minute, but he got him to the point to make the play. This year, though, man, it really – there were a lot of plays that he left out there on the last drive. So, so listen, if Baker's still here next year, and that's a big if, but if he's still here next year uh, and he's healthy – you got your chance to prove it. So, uh, again, that's our Browns conversation with the quarterbacks. So we're going to have a lot more Browns conversations, obviously, being on the OBR. And we'll be working with these other guys from the OBR uh, to talk more about the Browns. But, uh, but right now, we're going to get into our last topic. And so I'm going to bring up a comment that happened way early on in the show tonight from Ian Bits. And he said, this channel, talking about the OBR, has always needed <laughs> significantly more Evan Mobley, to be honest. And that's what he said. So well, last, you're in luck, on. Ian Bits. You're in luck, Ian Bits. Ian Bits is in luck because the last thing we're going to talk about before we get out of here is the Cleveland Cavaliers. And guys, uh, what's what's awesome to talk about? We did this, and Joey, you brought this up last year. Uh, we got real excited about the Cavs at the beginning of last year. If you'll remember <laughs> yeah. that, right? We got real excited. And then the co- the Cavs got to December and just between injuries and just not being all that talented, fell off the face of the earth. And this year, the Cavaliers got through something very difficult in that December. They had a really tough December and they got through it really well. And now the Cleveland Cavaliers are nine and three in the month of January, the best record in the Eastern Conference in the month of January. They're fifth in the East. They're a half game behind Milwaukee, who they play tomorrow. They're one game. And, and if you're listening to this Thursday, they played Milwaukee yesterday, so sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. 
Hopefully, so we're talking about a Cavs really win. Good or really bad? Hopefully, they talk about a Cavs win, and now really you're ahead bad. of Milwaukee. Uh, 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 you're you're only one game behind Brooklyn and Chicago. I mean, this. I keep saying it to myself, and I feel like I don't want to say it to myself. But but we got a great comment here for McSawman. Nobody expected the Cavs to be uh, that one playoff team. I keep saying to myself, "This is for real." But I feel like I don't have to sell myself anymore. This is for real. This is a real, legit Cavaliers team. And they're going to be real and legit for a long time. Yeah. It's funny. You guys, you know, what you were alluding to earlier, Michael, last year you were saying how, I think it was November, December, and you were saying, you and Trevor both saying the Cavs were the most fun team out of any Cavs team in the history of the Cavs that you guys had watched. And what did they end up being last year? (laughs) (laughs) Like just... They were so bad kind of last dog year. shit last year. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I tell you what, I mean, it's just they they have the formula this year. They have the team buildup. They have the drive. They have the companionship, and they're they're just gelled together as a cohesive unit. Like this team is electric to watch. They're so fun to watch. Nobody wants to play the Cavaliers. Everyone sees that game on the schedule and they're like, oh man, like this is not going to be as fun as we wanted it to be. Um, <laughs> it, it's just a completely different team this year. And like, I mean, man, from a fan perspective, like it's so fun to see this team as a whole be where it's at. And like, I don't want to sound like, Oh, like LeBron's on here. We can do without LeBron. Like, no, I love LeBron. LeBron's fantastic. Agreed. But like, how fun is it to see this entire team top to bottom contribute night in and night out, perform how they are performing. And like, being contention for the top seed in the Eastern Conference halfway through the season. That's just wild. I'm having way more fun watching this team than any of the LeBron teams I've ever watched. And that includes the championship. Just because uh, it's it's uh, well don't say the championship. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you gonna enjoy the Bucks game better than game six of the two thousand six finals? Sixteen. No, that's sixteen. Did I say six? Not true. Okay. Fine. Sands championship. I'm having more fun <laughs> watching this Cavs team than any other Cavs team I've ever watched. Sands 2016. Uh, honestly, this, this, this team, they play for each other. I mean, uh, what a nightmare this Cavs team is just going against the grain of what the NBA is today. I mean, you have all these guards around the perimeter shooting and, and trying to drive. You drive past one seven-footer. And then you have two other seven footers that you gotta get by. <laughs> like, like I, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just so much fun to watch the team defense, the ball movement, the style of play oh, is yeah. just—it's so much fun to watch. They all love each other. They all—I mean, yes, they've—they've they've, okay. These last few games, yeah, they struggled to score the basketball, and and and, and that's okay because in an eighty-two game season, you're gonna hit lulls. You are going to hit lulls, but the way but the way this team plays, they they're going to come out of it. I mean, you this at this point in the season, this Cavs team is who they are, you know, and and, and it's just going to keep going. And in the East, they're just they're 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 going to keep winning. They're going to get enough wins to play playoff basketball. And I, I don't know, it's just a lot of fun to watch this team right now. I, I I'm, I'm at a loss for words right now, probably because well, I'm four or five beers in. <laughs> what? You know, you know what's fun about them? We talked about them last year. Uh, uh, they hit some injuries. 
and it yeah. tanked them. And everybody was like, oh, they hit some injuries that tanked them. It is what it is. You know what? You know what's fun about the Cavs this year? They have hit significant injuries, and they are just yeah. battling through them. Right. They have had, you have missed Evan Mobley for significant portions of this year. You are without Colin Sexton, who is playing his best basketball he's ever played in his entire career. You are now without Ricky Rubio, who is like the heartbeat, the heart and soul of the team. You've missed Isaac Okoro for time. You are now without Lowry Marketing. You missed, uh, uh, I mean, everybody. Everybody has been out for a period of time. This Cavs team has not and will not be completely healthy this year. Right. And they continue to win. The game last night was a great a great example. They just barely squeaked by the Knicks, but they are shorthanded. You're without Jared Allen. You're without Larry Markinen. You're without Sexton and Rubio. And you still go out there and beat a Knicks team that everybody expects to be a pretty good team. Yeah. So that's, to me, that's what's been so fun. And that's, it's an organic big three that the Cavs are developing. And that is so cool, right? You've seen all of these other teams go out there and try to form these big threes and Brooklyn and, he, and, and, and Cleveland did it with LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love. All these teams that have gone out and tried to form these big yeah. three and, and the Cavaliers have done it organically. Jared Allen, Darius Garland, who is... Darius Garland has been one of the best point guards in the NBA all season. And Evan Mobley, right? You have a big three that you've just organically formed. You just don't see that. And they're, and they're just, they're learning how to win on the fly. And it's spectacular to watch. There's not guys. This is, this is not something you see on a regular basis in the NBA. This is a unicorn of of a basketball team. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to get worse before you get better. But, you know, the the, the Cavs got younger, but they got better, like, right away. Yeah. <laughs> like, right away, you, you know, you, draft, you drafted Evan Mobley, and, and all of a sudden it's like a, a, a switch flipped. And, you know, Colby Altman, going into this offseason, Colby Altman needed a plan because he knew his job was on the line. He needed a plan, and he knew that – he had to pick a direction and go with it. And this is where he went. He's decided to sign all of the athletic seven footers in the friggin' NBA. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and he decided to go against the great. He sat down and he said, what, where can we be successful? And, the, and he, he did a brilliant job. Brilliant. With the sign and trade for Lowry marketing, signing Evan Mobley, signing Jared Allen and, and, and going big because, and going big and going athletic because, you know the the days of uh, you know Shaquille O'Neal <laughs> type athlete are all are, are right, over. Right. It's the long, thin, like big man that's really Gil. going. Uh, the NBA is going. By the way, so it's 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 a lot of fun to watch, and I, I got to give credit to him for the direction that he picked and to go with it uh, and because obviously it's proving successful. All right, all right. I'm getting comments about my perverted. First of all, my perverted dog. Just because you've probably seen him hump things in the background, sorry. Uh, oh, I gotta tell you, I mean, I'm, there is a couple episodes of the podcast before we were live streaming ago where, like, he like just straight out of a viral video, like he just brought this toy and was just like humping it, bring it into frame in the background. It's like, oh, yeah. Cooper. So the funny Dude. thing is, 
he tried Cooper's to couch make it. cushion. Look at him. Like that's he the tried- new that's a new porn title. Cooper's couch cushion. <laughs> he tried to bring it downstairs. <laughs> First of all, Paul Spencer, I don't even know you, but I want to have a beer with you. Uh, <laughs> he tried to bring his toy downstairs. Uh huh. And I was like, you can't, because I can't have you humping things on the wanted- day on the debut of the Garage Beers podcast. And then he wanted to do it back here. And then he wanted to do sex with it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, boys, it's it's uh, just to kind of just a last couple minutes to wrap up the Cavs. And then we're going to get into one of our last, uh, well, actually our last segment, which is our three cheers of the week. So if you're in the comments, if you're watching us live and you've got anything you want to shout out, our, our three cheers of the week is where we just talk about something we want to shout out. But to wrap up the Cavaliers, first of all, if you're a Cleveland sports fan, get out and go to these Cavs games. Uh, they're they're not struggling for fans, which is nice to see, but they deserve it. <laughs> okay, Boomer, you sound like my wife. You can't just be humping things. Uh, they deserve you. <laughs> they deserve your fandom. They deserve to have you down there cheering on them. I don't work for the Cavaliers, but man, uh, how much fun can you have? And 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 the the work that they've done at Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. It is a beautiful place to watch a game right now. It's a blast to watch a game. And you've got, again, it's one of my, it's one of the craziest things about the Cavaliers right now. You've got the leader in the clubhouse for the Rookie of the Year Award. You've got the leader in the club clubhouse for the Comeback Player Award and Darius Garland. You've got the leader in the clubhouse, probably, or at least up there, for the sixth man of the year in Kevin Love. And 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 that's the last thing we'll kind of hit on. You've got one of the leaders of the year in in both executive of the year and coach of the year. This team is just everything you want a basketball to, team to be. That's who they are. And 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 Kevin Love, nobody exemplifies it more than Kevin Love. A guy that's been really good here in Cleveland, but after the LeBron years, a guy that kind of went malcontent, especially even last year you saw him kind of quit on a game walking around the baseline during a play, turning the ball over and not showing any effort. And all of a sudden, there's Kevin Love. Dancing, jumping, uh, hugging his teammates, and coming off the bench with 20 points and 12 rebounds like it's nothing. Kevin Love's been spectacular, and and he's a huge, huge part of this team. And uh uh, I don't know. I, so if it comes down to it, this is my last question about the Cavs before we get into our three cheers of the week. If it comes down to it, we're, we're coming up on the trade deadline for the NBA too. And now we're talking about a Cavs team that's actually competing. A Cavs team that's actually competing, trying to get a home playoff series. Is We've been trying to trade Kevin Love for years. Do you even want to at this point? I don't think so. I mean, unless there's something really sweet that's going to give you some extra firepower for the playoffs, but man, I don't, I don't think so. I think Kevin Love is kind of, uh, you know, reestablishing his role as a rock and a leader with this team. And I think that, um, he's a great glue that holds all these guys together. And, uh, I think I think pulling that is just pulling the rug from out from under this team, and uh, I, I I don't think that that would be uh, in our best interest for trade deadline. Yeah, I I agree, and I don't know if Chad. I think Chad left. 
Might have to. Oh, there he is. Chad, Hi. Any final, any, Chad, any final Hi. thoughts on the Cavs? No, they're good. <laughs> they're good. <laughs> what about the trade? <laughs> I love it. No, right. no. I, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't trade Kevin unless it's an offer that you can't refuse. Uh, I mean, I uh, honestly, it, it, again, you, like you talked about, Mike, the sixth man of the year. I mean, he's been absolutely impeccable off the bench this year, accepting his role. Uh, I mean, and just, you know, where his mental standpoint is, it, it's never been healthier and he's never been happier. I, I, I think, again, unless it's an offer you can't refuse, I, I would not trade Kevin Love. I love it. Well, boys. That's going to bring us to our last and final segment of the Garage Beers podcast here live for the first time on the OBR's Twitch channel. And it's been a blast uh, talking to everybody, but we're going to throw it to our three cheers of the week. So again, our three cheers of the week segment, if you're new to the Garage Beers podcast, it's where we talk about just something we want to shout out. It could be good. It could be sarcastic good, but just something, it could be funny that we want to throw out a th- uh, shout out. So if you've got something, throw it in the comments. We'll shout it out. Uh, and we definitely want to bring that in. Uh, uh, and I and I will say to Paul Spencer, who apparently we're buddies now, uh, he said he hasn't lived in Cleveland for a couple decades. Uh, and, I, and our podcast and others on the OBR makes him homesick. We appreciate you, Paul. We want you to keep talking smack to us. Don't just start being nice because you're homesick. Uh, but you know what? We appreciate you, and we appreciate you sticking with us through our first live stream here. Uh, but we're going to get into our three cheers of the week. And so, again, if you've got one, send it to the comments. Joe, though, I'm going to send it down to you in Nashville. Your cheer of the week. Oh, wow. You think I got one off the bat? I do. I, it's I hope so. I hope so. Um, I'm going to cheers the great state of Kentucky and all the beautiful brown water that they produce there. Made in barrels, not in the toilet. Uh, we went there for my dad's 60th birthday. We did a trip down there. Uh, super sick. We toured uh, Four Roses. We visited Woodford Distillery. We toured Buffalo Trace, which is the makers of like Weller and Pappies and um, uh, Blanton's and all fantastic all things. I tell you what, like it is if you're into bourbon or even if like you just kind of enjoyed and like want to learn more, like not to sound like a freaking air commercial, but like. It's so great. It is so fun to go down there. You just get loaded off some bourbon. It's like pretty interesting how they make it. Um, I think probably the most interesting, I'll go just go fun fact. It's fun fact uh, Tuesday here. Um, <laughs> the amount of like product they lose in the barrel over years of it being in there, obviously is like insane. <laughs> like for bourbons that are aged 12 plus years, you know, you are down to, at the most half a barrel, maybe like 40% of that barrel left at that point. And it's like, it's just like, I don't know. It's nice to appreciate that. Like, you know, that's, that's a, you know, we're a garage beers podcast. We appreciate the finer things of beer, but like, I think it's also important to appreciate other types of, uh, uh, of, of spirits like bourbon that like, there is like some time and effort that goes into that. And the processes that they create to like have different, different recipes and uh, uh, different ways that they store these beers over years. It's insane. It's down Perfect. to just the most insane science. It's so impressive. Highly recommend Louisville, 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 Louisville is like Louisville. a great town. It's like probably the quietest city I've ever been to, but the food's pretty sweet. Um, and they make some pretty mean old fashions. Dude, Joe loved it. I love being there with you. We had a great time doing the bourbon trail. Where were you uh, at? 
what? Oh, I was there. You just may not remember it. Too many bourbons. Uh, Lil Boomer <laughs> wanted to shout out uh, Ferrara, Ferrara Candy Company for partnering with the partnering with the Blue Jackets and the Fun Dip Squad. Uh, oh yeah! Keep your eye out for some fun stuff, but I'm not allowed to say more than that. Uh, Chad, what's your uh, three cheer of the week? And you guys can see all that fun bourbon trail stuff on our TikTok. Oh wait. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I guess I guess we I guess no one will ever know. Just give us your cheer, you bastard! All right, I'm gonna give a down cheer. Like like I hate this cheer uh, because the baseball writers of America just make me want to drink, guys. So shout out to you, baseball writers of America, for being <laughs> fucking idiots, and uh, you know that's all right, and not putting Bonds or Clemens in the Hall of Fame. So. Cheers to you guys, you morons. All right, so you just stole my cheer of the week, so now I want to talk about it for like a second because my <laughs> cheer of the week was going to be to Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling, and I hate Kurt Schilling. I hate Kurt Schilling. But Barry Bonds is one of the most fun baseball players I've ever watched play the game of baseball. And the voters, oh. and here's Ian Bitts coming back from the Evan Mobley comment. They put in David Ortiz on his first right. ballot. Who tested right. positive for steroids? <laughs> you voted in David Ortiz, who tested positive, and Barry Bonds, who's <laughs> one of the most exciting, fun, amazing baseball players you've ever seen, doesn't get in. Alice, get off your moral high horse. It's what I proposed it on my Twitter, and you I know stand by it. If you're, it's, if you're rich, if you're rich, and you want to back something fun. I'll get behind it and I'll do all the marketing. I'll open it. If you're rich and you want to pour money into something, I'll open the real baseball hall of fame where we put in wow. real baseball hall of famers. And we don't let these writers, the writers who act like they're morally superior because of, I don't know, they have boring ass lives and they do nothing. They're, yeah. they, they act oh. like they're morally superior. <laughs> so you're going to hold these guys. Pete Rose is still not in the hall of fame. Barry oh, Bonds is oh, not that, in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds should have been in the Hall of Fame based on what he did before he even took steroids. This oh, shit is oh, bullshit. And then don't, it, is, it is ridiculous. And then don't forget, don't forget, don't forget Mickey Mantle, who missed an entire season by uh because of an infection at an injection site for what? Oh, steroids. Right. And Mickey Mantle did fucking steroids as well. So the amount of cheaters that you baseball writers have put in the Hall of Fame is is ridiculous. So <laughs> it kind of feels like baseball is like the grounds of major sports. Oh, no, no. <laughs> they they always find a way to just fuck it up. <laughs> Listen, it's just it's just it's mind-blowingly annoying to me. The Hall of Fame I just get off your moral crap. Acting like Barry Bonds shouldn't be in. He was the best of the steroid era. And it's called the steroid era for a reason. The steroid era is called the steroid era because you had middle relievers taking steroids. You had starters yeah. taking steroids. You had catchers taking steroids. You had guys taking steroids that weren't even good because they took steroids, but they were taking steroids nonetheless. <laughs> you, had, you had Barry Bonds was hitting off of guys taking steroids. Crisco, Bardol, Vagisil. Yeah. 
Those and, guys. And yeah. David, and, yeah. and, and, and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. David Ortiz deserves to be in. David Ortiz yeah. provided some of the best, most memorable moments in the history of baseball, and that's what the Hall of Fame is all about. What are the most, what are the most memorable, historical, amazing things that happened in baseball? They were provided by guys like Mark McGuire, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa. The fact that they, why are they not in the in the Hall of Fame? Because their season. <laughs> I was going to say that doesn't even make any sense because Barry Bonds did the same thing. Nineteen ninety eight. That year with McGuire and Sosa was one of the greatest. No, no, McSaw, man. Ortiz got caught. He got caught. He tested positive. Uh, uh, 98 was one of the greatest baseball seasons of all time. Uh, then you got Bonds that was just spectacular in the mid to late 2000s. These guys deserve to be <laughs> in the Hall of Fame because they were going against other people doing it. For example, Pitchers like Roger Clemens, who should also be in the Hall of Fame because they were going up against hitters on steroids. This just, just this just proves my point. This is this is this is, this just goes with my argument that baseball was way more fun on steroids. So just let them in. Yep. And we're Preach. we're finishing on that. Uh, except for Wait, I don't you have a cheer, Mike. I've got a cheer. I've got a cheer. Okay. So here's my cheer. We just wrapped up our first live episode on the OBR. For the most part, we had a really good group that stuck with with us through it. Uh, so for all of you that are still here, my cheer goes out to you guys, man. Uh, uh, the comments, the conversations, uh, to those of you that are going to listen after the fact, my cheer goes to you, and my cheers, my cheer goes out to the OBR uh, for bringing us in. We are not the biggest podcast in the world yet. We don't have the biggest following at this point, and they brought us in because they just – thought that we could live up to the standard that the OBR has set. And that's what we're going to work to do week in and week out. And we hope you will join us every Tuesday night. I know it's late at nine o'clock. Paul Spencer already made a fuss about it. Uh, I know it's a little late, <laughs> but like me and Chad got kids that we got to put to bed. So you just got to hold on with us for a minute. Uh, so I know it's a little bit late. We'll try not to do the two or three hour podcast. We'll try to keep it to about an hour and a half. But my cheer goes out to everybody at the OBR who has been so spectacular with us in this first week. And you guys who have uh, stuck with us on the live uh, and who will continue to do so. We really, really appreciate you more than you will ever know. Uh, my biggest cheer goes out to you. So uh, that's going to do it for us. Episode 101 in the books. Uh, again, hopefully you enjoyed us talking Browns, Cavs, Blue Jackets. We got more stuff coming. We've got some incredible Olympics guests that are on uh, uh, kind of waiting in the wings. You don't want to miss those, uh, but that's going to do it for 101. Joe, for Joe down there in Nashville at Garage Beers, Joe, for Chad uh, over there on the east side of Cleveland at Garage Beers, Chad, I am Michael Keefe at Garage Beers. Mike saying, hey, it was a great time. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next week, same time. Cheers, everybody. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com